I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to podcast superstar Dan Carling about President Trump's first month. and Miguel, UK singers Labby Sifri's I Got The is instantly recognisable. Dan, I can imagine that in these kind of current political climate, your Common Sense podcast must be doing a, a, a roaring trade in downloads. Well, I don't know, um, because I think we're upsetting as many people as we're pleasing. And I think with the climate the way it is, I tend to be a person that likes to, if, if not bring people together, at least try to see alternative viewpoints. And with the climate the way it is, I don't feel like very many people are in the mood to see alternative viewpoints. And, and what's more, I think they're questioning the validity of it. I mean, you can get slammed in this climate right now simply for attempting to understand the other side. I don't, you know what, I don't want to be a contrarian in, in our whole kind of conversation here, but maybe it's because I'm in my liberal echo chamber of the left. But we've had, us, us progressives, we've had a real kind of crisis in terms of we we feel that we have to at least try and understand the 
the viewpoint of the uh, of middle america or of the ex-ship builder in sunderland in the uk type of thing the, you know the brexiteer or the trump voter so you know i think there, there is a certain level of understanding why some of those people voted for brexit or voted for trump i think you might be in a particularly let's call it a liberal liberal group of people in the sense that you know the old liberals that i grew up with were people that believed that things like free speech for example were the very highest of values mm -hmm. um a lot of the people today would turn to me and say look what free speech has gotten you right and and if free speech is going to give you I'm, I'm, this is an exact quote here free speech is going to bring a hitler to power are you still going to defend the rights of those people to speak and so i would suggest that that maybe the split you were talking about uh, exists amongst even progressives, where there are people who are sticking to the old-fashioned guns that I, I was accustomed to when I was growing up, and others who are saying, no, you know, we've got to fight hatred any way we can, and you can't let hatred spread, and if hatred's allowed to speak, then it'll spread. And I mean, to me, that's a completely foreign attitude, but I'm encountering those in the negative emails we get after talking about it. So I, I find myself in a strange position being hammered for things that 10 years ago, I, I would have been shocked if anybody had that sort of an opinion. So the your, climate has made it has made it that that nervous. Has your mailbag got significantly bigger since uh, the election of Trump? Angrier, maybe not bigger, but angrier. And it's put me in a weird position because I'm a person who for a very long time has wanted outsiders to enter the political system. And even though he's got a Republican after his name, Donald Trump is essentially an outsider. And so that's called not having, I would say it's not having my lawyer available when I was wishing on the magic lamp. I mean, I, I should have been a little bit more careful what I wished for. And it's put me in a strange position because now I'm not sure what to tell people. Do you tell them to vote for yet more outsiders? Or do you say, well, yes, I meant outsiders, but not that kind of outsider. So, um, I'm in a little bit of a be careful what you wish for situation, and I haven't quite figured out how I'd like to pivot off that yet. But isn't this a case of Donald Trump's an outsider, yes, and you can vote for outsiders, but this is an outsider who doesn't understand American civics. He nakedly doesn't understand it and doesn't want to understand it. But then also, you can be an outsider and still have cordial language. You can still be, in, be an outsider and be, be inclusive and not want to be a hate monger is what I would say well you know again it would also depend on who you talk to because if you talk to some people they'll say that the values that I think of America standing for aren't really the values America's always really cared about I mean some of the things that Donald Trump is accused of by his biggest detractors are things that some people would say I mean if you go back to say um, you know something like uh, the people's history of the United States sort of view uh, of things, uh, uh, Howard Zinn view of things, they would suggest that, that what Trump is espousing are some of the darker values that Americans have always responded to, or at least some segment of them, whereas I was hoping they were always going to respond to what I like to call the myths of America, the things that we celebrate, the places we would like to set the bar, the things that when we look into the mirror, we like to say, this is the best of what we stand for. And, um, and I'm not sure that a lot of Americans agree with me on what those things are right now, because Donald Trump certainly doesn't talk about things like the Constitution or you said civics. I mean, you don't hear him discuss that stuff in a way that that to me would lead us in a direction where those things are more valued, uh, which is what I hoped we'd get with an outsider. Instead, he almost seems to be 
uh, accelerating the speed at which we're moving away from those traditional values that I like to think we should uh, stand for. Look in the mirror and see. So looking around at the American political firmament at the moment, uh, which politician would you say not only understands um, the outsider nature of the American electorate, but also has an understanding of American myths? Well, the truth is the traditional American politicians are exceptionally good at harnessing those myths in their rhetoric. I mean, Mm -hmm. they'll all talk a good game. It's the difference between... You know, saying these words like freedom and liberty and the Constitution and and what it means to be an American and then acting upon them when you actually have to maybe confront your own, for example, political funding base when they want one thing and American values tell you you should do another. Um, So all of them understand exactly how to work the crowd using the the statements that stir all of our hearts. But you know what, though, Dan? But surely what Donald Trump has told us is that actually... The way you work a crowd is by going to the lowest common denominator. That maybe this and, and and maybe it's not by accident that you had Sanders almost winning the Democratic nomination in the same year that Trump did. Here are two people who were working the crowd with using very different tools than traditional politicians. I don't know if tools. I think as outsiders, they brought something that the insiders lack right now, which is credibility. You know, which piggybacks along the lines of what I was just saying. I mean, the Mm -hmm. traditional politicians are good at mouthing those things, but no one believes them anymore. Now, that's not to say that Americans automatically assumed that a Bernie Sanders or a Donald Trump was believable, but they knew that the standard politicians weren't. So it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, maybe. But but no one believes them anymore, and so. I think the difference is is that, for example, Bernie Sanders could say we need to move more towards an America that corresponds to our values, which may be the very same thing the traditional politicians are saying. But those people have have pulled the wool over our eyes so often that no one believes them anymore. So partly partly the outsider um, attraction is that no one is no one believes or wants to support the insiders anymore. They're 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 seen as corrupt. They're seen as as being bought and paid for by special interests. Most of them have already been in office multiple terms, and so it's no surprise. I mean, they've already let us down before. And so I think that's what plays into it, is that, believe it or not, both a Trump and a Bernie Sanders seem to have more credibility in what they said and more of a chance of actually, you know, following through with what they said than any of the traditional people that we already know. Would you say that politics right now is at a bit of an American ruse? (laughs) <laughs> well, I didn't pick that song for no reason. <laughs> All right, so tell us about this song, Dan. Well, it, it's, it was written during a time period that, while it was completely different in many ways than the time period we live in now, there were certain, let's call it atmospherics, that were the same. There's a line in that song that says, uh, the air is so thick it's like drowning in molasses. And that's just the, the temperament of the times now where you just you, literally even people who have no not a political bone in their body can't help but notice the climate right now. I mean, because it's affecting all of our lives and they're in it daily. Uh, I always thought the wonderful side benefit of, of a climate like now is it drags in the people that normally aren't involved in politics, but only because the stakes are so high and everything's so scary. When the MC5 was writing and performing that song, 1968, 1969, um, the climate was also scary and also politically charged.
group at all and for me the amazing thing is that you can hear that bridge between 50s rock and roll with the standard 12 blah blues but with this rockier edge it's kind of raucous but it's not rock as we'd understand it in in the 70s uh kind of going on hats off to you sir and even with the kind of raw garage vibe to the actual recording where have they been all my life well, you know, they're considered to be one of the seminal punk influencers in American punk. I mean, you go New York Dolls, the Stooges, and the MC5 and the Velvet Underground. The MC5 and the Stooges were both from Detroit, uh, which is a hotbed of that kind of, you, you said garage sound, but American punk is traditionally considered to have a real solid footing in garage band sort of sound anyway. So the MC5, as, as a punk aficionado myself, the MC5 was always... When I was growing up, what we looked at as as the old school stuff, and it's funny because when you look at them, they don't seem to match the the mental image of what we have of punk. But all the punks knew it because, for example, one of their guitarists is a guy named Wayne Kramer, and American punks have 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 been grabbing Wayne Kramer to play with them since the '70s because they instantly recognized the sort of the line of development from the MC5's music to what we were enjoying in the late 70s and early 1980s now loved it so um 
thank you for opening that door to me. Um, you know, being a Brit, we always think that punk started in, in 1976 when the Sex Pistols went on the Ed, Ed Grundy show and, and swore on national TV. But of course, there were the Ramones and obviously MC5 and all these kind of American antecedents beforehand. Moving back to um, the Matt Rupand. I'm going to say that again. If you're a school teacher and had to rate Donald J. Trump on his first month in office, what you what, what rating would you give him? I'd have to ask what the criteria is because there's different ways you could rate him. I mean, in one sense, if you wanted to say a man who's followed through with some of his promises, he's probably done a better job in following through on his promises than any of the presidents in recent memory I can think of. Now, if if you can't stand what he promised and what he's doing, well, then that's not a positive. But but so the criteria would be important. Okay, so in terms of key campaign promises, so I'm going to uh, build a wall. I'm going to ban Muslims. I'm going to drain the swamp. Th- those first three. Yeah, I'd, I'd say he's as he sees those issues trying harder than than the last. What do I say? Maybe six presidents to do mm-hmm. that. I mean, because I mean, it's the same way all over the world. I think. Um, what was it? Uh, Nikita Khrushchev said politicians are the same all over the world, always promising to build a bridge even when there's no river. Um, <laughs> the, the, these guys are traditionally uh, promise breakers. That's what campaign promises. It, it's almost an oxymoron. So to have somebody come in and actually try to do those things. Things that horrify, by the way, a lot of Americans is a guy who's actually keeping his campaign promises better than the average. So if that's how we're rating the guy, I I give him an A minus. Okay, so in terms of being a mouthpiece for America, for all Americans and projecting America abroad, how's he done? Well, that's that's an F. Absolutely. And and, and his, his fans would disagree. But. I would venture a guess that a lot of the fans of Donald Trump don't care what the projected image of the United States is abroad. He basically tells them that we're getting ripped off by foreigners. They say, yeah, we're getting ripped off by foreigners. So if foreigners are mad at Donald Trump's approach, well, I mean, to them, that doesn't bother them. Uh, they do, already they, do, they want a hard line against foreigners. Does it matter if the foreigners which um, are upset are American allies, key American allies, the Brits, the Aussies, etc., etc. I don't think so because a lot of the people listen. Listen, that's a whole another can of worms because there's a, a large feeling in the United States uh, amongst people from across the political spectrum, not just Donald Trump supporters, because Bernie Sanders said a lot of the same things that we're overcommitted and have been overcommitted overseas for a long time. And this is not a new issue. The Kennedy administration, the Eisenhower administration wrestled with all these same same issues. There's a, a longstanding belief that the American public is a lot less um, foreign-minded than, than the leadership is and that the leadership ignores... The Americans have no choice in foreign policy. I don't know how many people around the world know this, that since both parties essentially agree, broadly anyway, on foreign policy, it's known in this country as the bipartisan consensus on foreign policy, there's really nobody in normal times that Americans can vote for that will change our foreign policy. And when politicians run on changing the foreign policy and get elected, which uh, George W. Bush actually ran on that, Barack Obama ran on that, they don't 
follow through when they get into office on that. So, so for a long time, Americans have wanted less involvement overseas, less of a role. And I'm speaking broadly here because there's obviously a lot of Americans that don't feel this way, but less of a role in, for example, being the policeman of the world and haven't had much of a, of a say in the matter. Now, all of a sudden, a guy gets elected who's actually going to follow through with those things he said in the campaign and, and sort of, if not pull America back, at least discuss our obligations overseas in a different sort of vein. And I think they feel like they've been waiting for somebody to get in the office for a long time who would do that. So so there's a little bit of, shall we call it, policemen of the world fatigue in the United States that's been building for a long time. And lastly, um, we've obviously had, it feels like the pendulum has swung wildly from your last president who in lots of ways summed up at least to the outside world the ideal of actually what america said it was anyone could could run for president and he had this man uh, wrapped up in black skin who, who was the president and had this picture perfect family now you have um some people might say a total extreme right-wing demagogue but you have somebody who is couldn't be more opposite than that inherited his wealth uh, but in lots of ways could also still be, you know, the American dream. It's all about business first. Where does the pendulum swing to next? Well, I look at it a little differently. I absolutely agree with you. I, I think it may in the long term, and this is a terrible thing to say because really, um, you know, I'm sure he would like to think that there were other signature achievements. But maybe the, the greatest thing that Barack Obama did is open up the door in, in, into the presidency so that that old line we always tell our children that anyone can grow up to be president is true. I mean, they can actually look and see uh, if they're not, you know, white people that, hey, that is true. And it's been done before. The real sadness of having Barack Obama be the president and not do more in the areas I would have liked to have seen is that the man was a constitutional law scholar. And when he got into office, this was considered to be one of the benefits he brought to the table, because if we ever needed someone to fix some constitutional problems after the George W. Bush administration, it was the guy who followed that. And instead of doing that, he focused on other things, which then allowed the next guy to come in, Donald J. Trump, without those constitutional fixes and put a bunch of powers that shouldn't rightfully be in the hands of the president into a guy like Barack Obama's worst nightmare. So had he done what he promised and repaired the constitutional tatters that that, that, the, that, that that had happened as a result of the previous administration, the current guy would not have the kind of power and authority that he has. I always say that, you know, everyone's so upset about Trump, but Trump's power is a result of presidents for decades, really. I mean, depends on how long you want to go back, but even longer than that, slowly but surely increasing the power of that office until eventually, inevitably, somebody would come along that wouldn't play by the rules that now a guy like Donald Trump could exploit. So, I mean, we've been leading up to this for a long time. And uh, and unfortunately, I mean, we're reaping what we sow now in long term. Dan Carlin, thank you for coming on to Friday 15. I appreciate you having me. Ain't shady, baby, I'm hot like the prodigal sun. Big up the lini, mini, money, more and flower. You're the chosen one.
nominated by the actress Charlotte Martin, who plays Susan Carter in The Archers. Left Hand Free is a song by English indie band Alt J. It was released as the second single from the band's second album back in 2014.
show with the beautiful Urvasi Urvasi, a Tamil language song composed by A.R. Raman and written for the 1994 Indian film Kadhalan. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday 15. You can also find us on Twitter where you can follow me where I'm at Royfield spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now every Thursday you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15 iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me where I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.